0: And what blows my mind is you're buying properties in markets you've never been in at all, have no connection to, no ties, nothing. I mean, you'll just go into like Bananaville, Pennsylvania and and buy a property there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling.
0: You're listening to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Hardy. And today I've got Paul Lazell, who blows my mind with the type of virtual investing he does. So, Paul buys properties off of online auctions. This is like the most next level virtual technique of real estate acquisition that I could think. And me being the virtual obsessed real estate investor, I was so excited to just pick your brain on how you're doing this, Paul. So, Paul, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, Lauren, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: It's great to have you. So, Paul. Tell us a little bit about your business model. What are you doing? Are you flipping? Are you wholesaling? Tell me everything.
2: Generally, we do wholesale about 80% of what we do in a normal market, but we haven't been in a normal market the last couple of years, right? It's been totally different. So we actually flipped it on its head, but we're doing about 20% wholesaling and the rest of the 80% is combination of fix it, flipping, wholesaling, buying and holding and you know some owner finance stuff. So But we're in a transition right now, going back, getting closer to that 50% wholesaling. And eventually, I think we'll get back to that 80% wholesale model. But that may not take another year or so as inventory comes up and the market changes because we're in a market shift right now, for sure.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we definitely are. So you had to become more creative, what? Because it was getting harder and harder to find deals?
2: Yes, getting harder and harder to find deals. Now we're trying to maximize what we did have, right? So if we had a property... We can make 10K on a wholesale, but if we wholesale, we can make 40. We are pushing that envelope and trying to get a little bit more out of it.
0: Yes, I totally feel you on that. I think that that is what all the, you know, the best investors are doing right now really is like squeezing the the fruit out of yeah. every single deal. You know, who knows like what is going to come about, you know, with the market kind of shifting right now. And I would love to take a minute to talk about that maybe at the end. But you, how are you finding your deals?
2: So almost all of our deals now are on online auctions, whether it be auction.com, Hubzoo, Zome, Hudson and Marshall, Realty Bid, Auction Network, all these different platforms is what we're using here. And, and the HUD Home Store too, as well. We've used all these over the years. And you know, it ebbs and flows. HUD Home Store used to be our primary source way back in the day. And then everything shifted off HUD Home Store to the online auctions. And what that did is just bring us mostly to the online auctions. Then when COVID hit, shrunk things down a little bit. We started buying more from wholesalers, wholesalers and local people in different markets.
0: And what blows my mind is you're buying properties in markets you've never been in at all, have no connection to, no ties, nothing. I mean, you'll just go into like Bananaville, Pennsylvania and, and buy a property there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we're not afraid to dive into these markets. We've been in a bunch of small and tertiary markets. And yeah, the better you get at selling in those markets when you're in a big market like Philadelphia or St. Louis, it gets much easier selling in these markets.
0: How are you, you know, buying these properties and evaluating them and know like knowing that like you're getting it at a price where you're not going to lose money?
2: So we do our first level due diligence ourselves. So we go look at it, you know, we comp it using things like Zillow, Realty Track. Then from there, if it looks like it could be a deal, we're contacting the listing agent, if there is a listing agent on it, right? Not not all these have listing agents, but usually the the bank REOs do. And we ask them, you know, what's the condition? What's the as-is value? What do you think it's worth fixed up? What kind of repairs it needs? And they've been our greatest resource. They've been a greatest resource for contractors for us as well, too. So not just that, and, you know, we, we try to get them involved on a buy side and then the resale side. And then they, what happens is they end up being... Our project manager, because they want the listing on the backside too. So they manage the rehab for us, kind of tell us how we should do it to maximize that particular market. Mm-hmm. We relist it and resell it.
0: Okay, wait. So you actually, so although these properties are on auction.com, often they have an agent representing?
2: Yes, except for the HUD CWCOT program, which has become larger and larger. And what that was, that was a break-off of, you know, everything used to go on the hud home store before when they foreclosed, but they would have to wait until they were vacant. What HUD is doing now is just foreclosing on them and then sticking them on these auctions and selling them whether they're vacant or whether they're occupied. So it's a little different wow. style with what they're doing. So that's why you're not seeing as much inventory on, the, on the hud home store.
0: So when you get a property in Bananaville, Pennsylvania, and you have no contacts and you live five hours away, or a five-hour flight even away. Right. Okay, that's just like five-hour drive, like five-hour flight. Mm-hmm. You contact the agent and you are relying on the agent giving you accurate data, like what they think it could sell for if it was fixed up.
2: Absolutely. So, and and they're the boots on the ground, right? there, And hopefully get some experience. We're hoping to not get a new person in there who doesn't really know the market that well yet. The absolute flow is what people are looking for. Most Oreo agents are pretty good, pretty experienced. I'm telling you, when they, when they tell me the BPO comes in at $17,000, when I go to wholesale, that number's almost always $17,000, as is what I'm selling the thing for. So their numbers are very good, the experienced agents. Not all of them are experienced, right? But the ones that have been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years are spot on with their numbers. They know what it needs. They know the, They know what repairs are needed. They've got contractors in those markets. And their mm-hmm. contractors have been better than the contractors I've gone to try to find on my own, in part because, you know, the bread and butter, Who who um, is the one that feeds these contractors the work? It's these agents. So they don't want to screw mm-hmm. these agents over because they're the ones constantly going to the mark. They don't have any marketing costs. They do a better job, usually, usually do a better job, usually less expensive and almost always much quicker. I got to say that. It's almost always much really? quicker. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. I, okay. Because I personally have had a hard time in my market that I'm very familiar with, that I've wholesaled tons of homes to find a reliable contractor. So Are you
1: talking about
2: Pittsburgh?
0: I'm talking about, yes.
2: Pittsburgh is a tough animal, not just yeah. from the contractor perspective, but from the investor standpoint. They're just, they're just different. It's a different area. It's a tough market. It really, yeah. so you, can get, you can do really, really well in that market. It's just tougher and it's harder to find contractors. Sometimes they're good for you for a rehab or two, and then they fall off the end of the earth.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a very, very difficult nut to crack. I still ask myself, why am I here? <laughs> but no, it's, it is You know, it is what it is. And I feel like we've, we've cracked the nut to a certain point, and I'm not giving up. But, you know, it does make me skeptical to ever go to, like, a market I have no idea. Like, I mean, I don't know anything about you know, because of my experience there. So it just blows my mind that you're relying on what the agents are telling you about value. Like they're not lying to you. Like, so I think that the key takeaway I'm hearing is that REO agents typically have more experience than like your random Joe Schmo agent that just got lucky on some listing and got a listing from his aunt. You know, like usually these are more professional. And then is it the fact that you're upfront telling them, Hey, I don't have an agent there. So our intention is to buy it, fix it up, resell it. So I'm gonna need somebody to relist it. That could be you. So what do you think this could resell? Is that like your is that your pitch to them?
2: That's our pitch. That's our pitch generally. Yeah. So they're gonna get both the commission on the buy side and the sell side. They're double incentivized, right? And they're going to hopefully give me good numbers. But my numbers is what I trust the most. First, I want them to verify my numbers or tell me, hey, you're wrong. Here's why you're wrong. What did Reagan say? Trust, but verify. That was like right. a great thing from, from President Reagan. So trust, but verify. Use your numbers and then look at their numbers. And there's some numbers. A lot of times we're too conservative. We come in too low. And then they'll tell us, no, you know, as a matter of fact, a good example, we did one at East Freedom PA, which is central Pennsylvania, not too far from Pittsburgh area there. Yeah. And Mike and I were both coming up with like 190 as the as the number on this property. And the agents like that was like fixed up value. And agent's like, no, you're 215 as is, 250 fixed up. And then she sends us comps and we're looking, all right, you're right. There was just not a ton of comps in that area, but there really wasn't much inventory in that market. Right. There wasn't much a show in the last six to twelve months, so that's what we were running into. Turned around, sold it like that two fifteen full asking price in a couple of days, and we just closed on it a week ago. Did run. wow? Yeah, we picked up for just under one fifty.
0: Do you get a deal out of the agent, like when they resell it? Do you negotiate their commission down a little bit, or is a it little, like
2: it, oh. not always? It depends how much. Like if they're going to do like the full scale rehab or really get involved in the rehab. I'll, I'll pay them the five or 6%. I'm okay with that. And depending on the price point too, right. The higher the price point, I want to negotiate them down. But if it's an inexpensive one, I usually don't try to beat them up too much because they're not making a ton on it anyway. And they're really helping out on the rehab side. If I'm just having to relist it. Yeah. I try to get them to bump the number down if they can, especially if they're getting something on the front side.
0: Okay. So if they're like, if you're not doing any construction, do you say something like maybe a flat fee or something?
2: Yeah. And we do that flat fee sometimes too. Sometimes we will just end up doing a flat fee listing ourselves,
0: like a brokerlist.com flat fee listing. So, list. yeah, I just learned about brokerlist.com. So you can basically list your property for like 150 bucks on the MLS. Yep. And, and it works it's, like it's been good well, for you. You didn't need an age. If it's like, say, it's in an area. Like, say I have a property in an area where I have boots on ground and I'm good. Like, I can just list. I don't need an agent to know, yeah. right? You just list it on broker list. So I'm thinking of doing that on one because I, I bought one that I know I'm going to regret. And, but I bought it so dumb. Like, it was just one of those. Have you ever done that, Paul? What? Like,
2: We've all been there, done that. <laughs>
0: Where you're like, you for some reason, I saw something in this thing. And then like, I immediately, when we were all the way down the road, I'm like, what did I see in this house? Like, why did nice. I buy this thing?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I know I'm going to regret it.
2: We've all done and... it. Yeah. Well, it might surprise you. You might get some more than you think. You never from know, it. right? You know, yeah.
0: I was, and I was thinking of doing like a hotel mm-hmm. and then listing it on brokerlist.com instead of getting an agent
2: do that. That's a good one to test it on. That's what I recommend test it, especially if you think it might be a tighter margin one, right? Can you save yourself that two and a half or yeah. 3% on the buyer side or no, on the sale side, I should say.
0: Okay. What about who do you put the property on a lockbox and just send buyers over there on their own with Yeah. Agents?
2: yeah they, they'll, they'll bring an agent will bring the, the buyer. So you're going to pay that whether you offer the buyer's agent two and a half or 3% mm-hmm. and then you just won't pay anything on the other side, right? So if yeah. you just... You'll just pay that $500, call it flat fee listing. That's uh, sure. what it being with fees and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, we just generally send them. The agent goes, it's all lockbox. They take a look at it and they let you know. They give you feedback. A lot of times they're really bad about giving feedback just to give you a heads up on that. So sometimes sure. you have to chase them down for that.
0: Okay, that's a, that's a good strategy. Okay, let's talk virtual hoteling. I am the worst, admittedly, the worst hoteler ever. I don't know how to do it. I, all I, this is what I do. It's a slippery slope and I'm all, the next thing you know, I redid the kitchen and I redid the bathrooms. It's not a hotel anymore. How do you hotel houses? And where do you, how do you just get yourself to stop?
2: We just had one of them where we thought we were going to hotel it. Then we t- found out there was foundation issues and other issues need new, new kitchen. So uh, we had our $20,000 hotel turned into a $56,000 fix and flip, which we're selling next week, which we're going to make a couple bucks on but not nearly as much as we planned on. So generally though, when I'm going in for for the ones that you know you're gonna hold tail for sure, let's say it's newer, it's, a, it's an 80s or 90s build and you know, you're know you not gonna run into structural issues, usually in those because they're newer and you know you're gonna need probably an updated kitchen or bathroom and the kitchen's sometimes fine, the cabinets are fine, but maybe you put new countertops in there, maybe a new faucet, things like that and then a bathroom, a new, the vanities are so cheap at Home Depot, those 250 bucks, can get a great one. Hundred dollars for the toilet, spruce it up, make it look good, and uh, paint carpet, and that's about it. Paint or vinyl flooring and carpet in the bedrooms, and that's about it. So generally, you can get away with around fifteen to twenty k on a whole tail. We've done them as little as three to five k, too, depending on you know how good the condition mm-hmm. with the property. But those are our favorite ones. They're usually done so quickly, and they generally, in this market, they've been very profitable. That's going to change as we go into the next market, next phase of this market here. But we will see what happens there.
0: I do want to talk to you about that because, you know, you're actually closing on these properties. You know, you're not just like a lot of wholesalers. It's kind of they have the mentality of, well, I'm not closing on it, so who cares, you know, kind of thing. But I close on properties, you close on properties. What are you doing right now to protect yourself for what could possibly come?
2: That's a good question. So now I'm thinking I'm going to flip and wholesale as many of these properties as I can. Take, you know, instead of shooting for that 40K on that wholesale, maybe take that 10 or 12 or $15,000 wholesale fee or whatever it may be. Just take it, move on to the next one. Because as the market shifts and turns, there's going to be more and more inventory coming for us, more and more opportunities for us. So now it's not squeezing the juice out of every single fruit. Right now you're just trying to do transactions and get a little bit on each one. Plus, you know, the longer the rehab goes on, the more risk you are of interest rates increasing, the economy going downward, and people losing jobs and not qualifying for mortgages. Cause we already lost nine million buyers from January until now, with the interest rates increase from 2.75 to six a quarter. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to risk too much more of that. You know, we're almost to our national average or yeah, yeah national average of mortgages at eight percent. Eight percent is our historical number. So still good numbers where we're at six and a quarter, but not as good as 2.75 that we had in January.
0: Yeah. So are you saying you're not going to close on anything anymore?
2: Oh, no, I'm closing on all of them. I have to, right? But so what I'm doing initially besides deciding to wholesale more is, you know, when you're looking at your ARVs on these properties, instead of going 75%, maybe go down to 70%. When you're looking at the ARV, use all the low comps. Don't use any of the higher comps, right? Assume a 10% correction with what we're gonna have in a market year and just go a little bit lower just to protect yourself. You know what I mean? Okay, try to let,
0: let me, hold on, let's clarify, let's clarify. Cause first you said, I'm just gonna wholesale, but you're closing on them. So do you close mean, them. because- not a
1: real I, that way.
0: Not yeah. a real wholesale. So yes. he, remember he buys them off online auctions. He has to close on them. Mm-hmm. So to Paul's definition of when he says wholesale, he what he means Different. is Correct. close on them, but sell them to another investor, right? Yes. Immediately, and the reason you're doing that, you're still closing, so you're it is still risky, but you're not risking the whole time that the you know values could go down even more in the next four months or five months. So you're just getting rid of the property faster,
2: faster. Are we trying? Exactly, we're always closing on them, so it's not like we're not going to close them. And we're trying to do back to back closings if we can, if we're going to if we're going wholesale. But if we know we're going to be able to put this thing on the MLS and move it to another investor anyway, I'm okay if we don't have it back to back as long as I know where the numbers are, right? And just be more conservative in this market right here. We're not doing assignment of contracts, so we can't just walk away from it. If we do that, the auctions will blackball us and I won't be buying anymore at auctions and I'll lose my whole marketing source right there.
0: Right, right. Okay, so, and then for, are there still properties at this moment that you are going to buy to fix up and resell? If, yes. You know, they, they look good, but what you're doing is you're going to take your ARV and you're going to minus 10%, pretend the market corrects 10%, Right. that's your new ARV, are you still expecting a profit at that 10% adjustment, or is it just, I didn't lose any money?
2: I should still get a profit. I won't do it if I don't think I could be profitable. Then I'll just have to drop the numbers more. But, you know, dropping down from 75% of that ARV to 70%, and there's times when a market, you know, back 2008, 2009, 10, that time period, I was doing it 65%, right? And then you had to adjust up and up as the market got hotter and hotter. Now we're gonna be doing the opposite, shifting it downward, bringing those numbers backwards just to protect ourselves a little bit, maybe up the cost of the rehab too, just in case material costs go up, just in case labor costs go up and just protect yourself in a rich way, which hopefully gives you a bigger spread in the end, but at the very least, we'll just protect you from a downward action in the market.
0: Right. So what I'm personally doing is I so I take let's talk about how you come up with ARV. So I'm not taking the lowest comp. I mean I'm still taking I'm giving an ARV that I would think it would sell for. I'm not going because right. when you said lowest comp for a second, I'm going, well, are you taking like a non remodeled house and calling that no, A
2: lowest good comp like a lowest? Lowest remodeled. good
0: apples to apples. Okay. So apples like to apples. apples to apples. This is a remodeled house. It's sold for 350. There's also one that maybe be th- sold for 365, but and they look kind of the same. I'm going to yeah. pick the one that went for three fifty, and yeah. then what I'm doing is I'm comping, analyzing. I put it. I don't do seventy percent rules or anything like that. I have a calculator and I put in all the expenses, right? And I see I have a profit margin requirement I need to be at, and I I make sure I have like a healthy like thirty thousand at least profit. But there's also a twelve percent profit margin it needs to be at as well. Yes, got to yeah. kind of both. Yes, and then. I'm looking at it and going okay so this is if everything stays the same and then I'm going what if we have a correction which I I would think it couldn't go like 20% in 6 months but it could go 10. Yeah. So I do t- so I'm so then I'm assuming what if market prices decrease 10% what's that ARV mm-hmm. and am I losing money? Now to be a competitive buyer like I'm I'll take it if I am break even or maybe even a tidy loss because my thought process is you really can't time the market, right? Other buyers are still buying. So I got to be competitive. Like Mm -hmm. there is an element of like, I have to be competitive to stay in business. True. So if it goes down 10%, am I losing? any money. If it's a thousand bucks, I'm not going to cry. Like I'll be okay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, marketing costs. It's like, okay, we have other deals. Cause by then I had bought better deals. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, I kind of look at it like, you you know, you can't time the market at that point, I'm going to be buying better deals. Probably there's going to be some great deals out there, I think. So that's how I'm doing it. Not saying that that's how everybody would do it, but like, that's sort of my, thought process of where we're at and how I'm going to handle it.
2: And that makes total sense because you're making your customers happy, right? They we're selling to you. You're keeping a good name out there, which you want to have, right? Yeah. And also you never know. Some of these deals you think are tighter, turn into better deals than you think. too. sometimes yeah. you need the opposite, but sometimes they're better than you think and you surprise yourself. Yeah. So it, that's a great model to have. And you just want to like be smart, like you're doing here in the market shift. And Like I said, I don't think we're shifting anything crazy. This is not like the 2008 financial crisis where we had um, no income, no asset mortgages. We had people, no jobs qualifying. We just don't have any. We have well-qualified buyers right now. The only worries we have is increased cost of living, inflation, all this thing, which may knock some buyers' qualifications down because of that. There's that that worry there and losing jobs, right? As the tech, right now, the tech sector is getting destroyed. So how many tech jobs go away, which is pretty usually pretty good buyers because tech tech industry is usually pretty good money.
0: Yeah. So, it, I mean, it's going to be super interesting to see, you know, what happens. And I'm glad we got to talk about it because you are a super smart guy. You were so generous in letting me take a peek at the online coaching program that you put together on online auctions. And you even have a segment in there about buying off MLS, which Mm -hmm. I definitely like watched the whole thing and was super like, okay, I got to, I'm going to put this in how I, you know, acquire properties, because I think there's going to be a lot more hitting the MLS. Like I think, you know, I think it's going to go back to being able to buy off the MLS again, like it was in 2000, you know, nine and 10, 11, 12. Like, so I think we're going to go back there. So Your course was so detailed, so thorough. You're clearly a very, very intelligent person. It was the most, I have to say, like the most thorough, detailed coaching program I've ever watched and I've watched so many. So Paul, if anybody that's listening to this is interested, where can they go to find out more?
2: And go to reoauctionacademy.com and on that site, they can kind of navigate through and see a little bit about the program they want to see kind of sample deals that we have going on, it's HouseDealsAmerica.com. And they can look at what we have there, what we have listed, the types of properties that we usually pick up and sell. But REOAuctionAcademy.com is the
0: main link to catch us at. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Paul, it was good to have you today. And guys, make sure you check out Paul's site. And I wish you the best hopefully, you know, the market doesn't correct too quickly or I mean, in a way I'm looking forward to a slight correction. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, we, are. we need some deals and it's been a seller's market for way too long. Time. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little excited about it, but I, I hope that, you know, neither of us, you know, kind of get in a situation where, you know, we've got too many properties and it corrects too much. Let's hope, I no agree. Let's hope for the best.
2: I agree. Not good. Right. Hopefully everything's good for everybody.
0: Hopefully, hopefully. All right, Paul, well, thank you so much for being on. And guys, if you are listening to this and you are interested in incorporating a virtual model in your wholesaling or your real estate investing, make sure you check out virtualinvestingmastery.com where I teach you how to do just that. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I'll see you next time.